Hello and welcome to a very special Easter episode of Our Three Cents. We have taken a break from our usual countdown of our favourite video games of all time to reflect on this special time of year. My name is Jonathan Dunn and reflecting with me are my childhood friend Chris Dow. I'm a big fat chocolate egg. And my adulthood friend Minty Booth. Happy rabbit. This episode we will be discussing some of our favourite Easter-related games. These could be games that feature little chicks, or springtime lambs, eggs, uh, uh, sweets, or more traditionally, the crucifixion and zombification of an ancient Jew. (laughs) Throughout the history of video games, there's always been a wealth and variety of eggs in games, from a sentient egg in Fantastic Dizzy, plucky and jovial dinosaur ones in Yoshi, a myriad of EV-boosted eggs in Pokemon, and let's not forget Billy Hatcher and his giant one. (laughs) (laughs) But before we dive into our choices for Easter-related games to discuss, we thought it'd be fun to discuss our favourite Easter eggs that have appeared in some of the games that we've mentioned so far in our Top 100 Countdown. Chris, would you would you start us off, please? What, what's your favourite Easter egg in a, in a game that you love? Well, thinking about this, looking over the list of what I've talked about so far, I remember being very excited when I picked up Burning Rangers on the Saturn because I'd read in Sega Saturn magazine that I was an avid subscriber to at the time. Me too. That if you put the disc into a computer you could get some high-resolution wallpapers for your desktop computer. High-resolution in the 90s must have been something to behold. <laughs> like 640 by 480, maybe? Razor sharp. <laughs> Cut your eyeballs. There you go. Sort of little secrets. And I think other Saturn games did that as well. Possibly PlayStation games too, because obviously it was the CD-ROM era. Yeah. And it was very easy just to kind of tuck stuff away on the end of the disc that the, the Saturn wouldn't access, or the PlayStation wouldn't access, but a, a computer would read all the way through. My enduring memory of that type of secret is, of course the legendary John Motson rap in FIFA 96. Absolutely beautiful. (laughs) Which is quite an extraordinary thing to behold, where they basically put together a rap from little pieces of John Motson commentary in FIFA 96, which I think was the first FIFA game to feature commentary. I'll see if I can find it online and post a link in the Facebook group because it's worth everybody hearing because it is quite... It's. it's <laughs> I, I think it may well actually be the fifth element. <laughs> it is that special. Personal favourite Easter egg of mine is from my 94th favourite video game, which was King's Quest Mask of Eternity. There was actually quite a few little secrets hidden in there. And I remember because it was a PC game, you can access the console and put in codes and stuff to famously like activating god mode or whatever i know that if you you could change your coordinates and you could get yourself off the map and there was like a photograph of the development team which was quite cool but this particular easter egg in the game was actually in the game you could anybody could access it at one point in the opening uh, environment which was in the town of daventry you could go to the wizard's tower and find a potion of reveal which was quite a handy potion to reveal various hidden things i think it basically had one function in the game to reveal some switch that you needed to switch i assume but if you picked up the potion of reveal and went all the way back to the start where you uh, go to your house and you use the potion of reveal hanging from the tree in your yard appears an apple oh an easter apple and what do you think happens if you pluck the apple and eat it expelled from the garden of eden well because i believe it is a vague reference to uh, to the garden of eden because you all of a sudden appear inexplicably nude oh Ooh. 
Your armour goes massively increased, and you remove all your clothes, and over your, your little dangly bits appears a little Mask of Eternity modesty patch. <laughs> Minty, what's your favourite Easter egg in a game? My Easter egg doesn't come from a game that uh, has appeared on our list, because I thought we'd go right back to the, to the beginning of Easter eggs in games and have a look at the very first Easter egg in a game ever. Interesting. Yeah. Is it in Pong, where if you manage to get the score to seven all, then a pixelated version of Ronald Reagan popped up? No, that's um, that's an urban myth. Ah. My Easter egg comes from the classic uh, NES game, Super Mario Brothers 3. So we're all very familiar with the opening scene where the curtains rise and Mario's sort of like jumping on turtles and all the rest of it. Now, where you would usually press uh, start to play the game, the NES controller had the start button, but it also had one next to it, which was called select. If you pressed select and then start, you would start a new game quite normally, but it would become readily apparent that there was a, a new character for you to control, which the fans uh, of this game have lovingly started to refer to as Green Mario. Yes. Is that Luigi? No. It's a different guy. So, on to the main feature, Easter-themed video games. I've had a good time having a think about some of the games that would be appropriate to discuss for this. And uh, I just wanted to include, just at the top here, uh, a few honourable mentions for games that I, I, I decided against focusing on specifically, but I thought that they, they, you know, they warranted some sort of recognition. My fiance Sammy, highlighted two of her favourite egg-related video game memories, in particular the Egg Thief in Spyro, which I haven't played. No, 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 okay. no. But apparently was uh, was was quite the one. <laughs> oh yeah, oh boy, quite the devil. Also, uh, uh, she was a big fan of Viva Pinata, which I think actually might be the most appropriate Easter game, as it is essentially a celebration of the birth of new creatures and sweets. Yes, it is <laughs> probably the best one, and it's a really great game. I haven't played it because I was told that it was a shallow rip-off of Animal Crossing, which I've realised since I, when I saw you playing it, Minty, when we used to live together, that that is not the case, and no. actually I probably missed out on, on, a, on a bit of a lovely game. A rare treat, as mm. it were. Ooh. Oh, very good. Also, on an egg note, I must give a shout-out to probably my favourite pun in a video game ever, which is uh, an endless runner game on the 3DS where you play as an egg. And obviously the game is called Runny Egg. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, the game was a couple of quid and obviously I bought it purely on, on the name alone. I think I probably played it once or twice and it was fine. On a, a slightly less secular note, I did think about talking about the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. But then I remembered that if three days actually passed, no one was rising again <laughs> and finally before i go into proper games i did want to give a, a, a shout out to a particular puzzle in shadow of the tomb raider game which was based around the stations of the cross and the stations of the cross for those who don't know is a 14-step devotion that commemorates the last day of jesus leading up to easter weekend uh, which is typically featured in several denominations of western christianity i think yes it's it's uh, historical accuracy and value is a lovely and suitably reverential reflection so to kick off our easter themed games i'm going to hand it over to chris 
So I, I had to think about this for a while and uh, we all kind of talked amongst ourselves a bit about kind of the way we were going to take this. And I thought about the ZX Spectrum as the old home computer from kind of the early to mid 80s when it was in its kind of heyday and prime because there seemed to be a lot of games based around eggs on the Spectrum. I, I don't know what it was that kind of made developers flock to this idea of using eggs as either lead characters or, or you know, important parts and mechanics within their games. But I've got three different games here that are all egg-based for the <laughs> ZX Spectrum. Now, this, this is, it's not a machine that I owned as a kid. It's kind of, it predates all of us, essentially. So I, I know you had one in your house, Jonathan, didn't you, from your older brother? Yes, that's correct. But for me, because I'm the oldest in my family, I'm kind of a little bit too young. But it's something that a few years back, I bought a Spectrum just on a whim to kind of try out some old stuff. That doesn't surprise me. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you've, you've seen my room. You've, you've seen the collections <laughs> of stuff I've got. Yeah, so it was just to kind of explore, really, because there's a lot of weird stuff because because the, the Spectrum is so much like just bedroom coders, essentially, most of the time, like one one guy in his attic. So the first one is a game called Chucky Egg that I'm sure most people that either had a Spectrum or played on like a BBC Micro back in the day, I, I think this, this was quite big on that as well. It's basically, it's a single screen platform game. And at its most simple, you are just a little bloke probably called Chucky, because that's how these games tended to work, trying to collect eggs whilst avoiding geese. Standard. And, and that was the, the core concept. It kind of it defines a lot of what early 80s home computer games were in that it was essentially trying to mimic arcade titles like, say, Donkey Kong or Pac-Man or Zookeeper or any of the kind of the, the big releases from that sort of era, but on a fraction of the resources. So it had none of the processing power. It had like literally just kilobytes of working memory to kind of put something on the screen. And it meant that most good games from especially like the, the early days of like the Spectrum and other, other home computers... It was all about writing enemy AI that sort of appeared smart whilst it was actually pretty deceptively dumb and having having stages that felt varied even though it was essentially just repetitive tiles and chunks, you know, replaced in different orders and all being about just getting to a high level or chasing a score or something. And for, for Chucky Egg, it's not going to win any awards now. It's not the type of game I'd stick on and play for 60 years and, and, and think it's fantastic. But it still holds up really well as just like a twitchy, maze-based platform game. And when I played it, obviously a couple of years back, when I, when I got the Spectrum up and running, it, it was quite fun. So yeah, number one game for eggs is, is Chucky Egg. Number two on the ZX Spectrum is a game called Egghead, which was one in a series of, I think there's five or six of them in total. But these came out after the Spectrum's heyday and were developed by a person called Jonathan Caldwell, who is like a modern indie developer, I guess, in, in the way we understand the term now. But it's weird to kind of think about the idea of indie development as we know it now, because back in the day when these games were being made, whether a game had a big budget or not, they were still only really being coded by just a handful of people. What we say now is like, oh, it's an indie team. They, you know, it was 10 guys working on this. Back then it was like, okay, it's a AAA release. This is a blockbuster release. And two people did it in just a bigger room as opposed to a bedroom. So, you know, the, the, the indie sort of comparison doesn't really hold up the same way. But he, Jonathan Caldwell, as the developer, it's like a kind of throwback to that idea that it's just him making these games. So he produces the engine for the game, the graphics, sound, design of everything himself. And as an extension of that, the tools he used to make Egghead and its sequels, I think are available either freely or for quite cheap in the same way that like Unity is now used as sort of kind of like a middleware solution for smaller developers. So re retro enthusiasts who want to go and make something for the Spectrum, there's a good chance they'll end up using, I think it's called like the Adventure Game Toolkit or something like that, I remember reading up on. But the game itself is like a platform puzzle game. So not the same sort of Twitch-based stuff as Chucky Egg is, but each single screen stage needs you to pick up all the collectibles in the stage before you're then warped onto the next one. And the challenge comes from either 
avoiding enemies or sort of tricky platforming, but also sort of you have to really consider how you're navigating around the stage because your character as just a big old fucking egg with a face, <laughs> you lose a life anytime you fall a distance greater than the height of your own jump. So if you haven't kind of judged the route you're going to take through the stage and the platforms, if you fall too far, that's just you lose and do the stage again. So it's it's kind of you, you can't overreach. You've got to actually think about how you're you're approaching it. And back then, I, I played the original Egghead. I didn't play two, three, four, five, six, whatever, how many there are. There are six. And number six came out uh, in 2017. So there we go. Still going. But again, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, it's it's kind of more advanced than uh, Chucky Egg is because it came out obviously a lot later. Uh, and when people had more of an understanding of what you could kind of get out of, of a processor like the Spectrum had. But yeah, holds up reasonably well. And, and it's still a bit of a laugh. And the final game, which is one that lasted quite a long time as a franchise, is just Dizzy of Fantastic Dizzy fame. And it is an adventure platform game. So these are all sort of platform based, but it's all about inventory management. So similar to kind of how point and click games are about inventory management and item based puzzle solving. And I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I, get no, I get no enjoyment whatsoever out of playing any game in the Dizzy franchise. So, you know, the other games I mentioned, I'm quite fond of, of them. I, I still got some fun playing them. But the whole, it's almost like a subgenre of adventure games, this kind of platform inventory management thing, or whatever you want to call it, that Dizzy does. You basically, you can normally hold three items in total. So you kind of work your way through. You, you have to pass items up. You can't pick up everything. So you sort of walk through a screen and go, do I need a match? Do I take a match? Do I take a, a watering can or whatever you might come across? Only to find out 20 screens later after you've done really difficult platform challenges that you then don't have the item you need and you have to backtrack the whole way anyway. It's, it's awful. I hate it. And unless you have like a guide in front of you or the foresight of like Derek Agora, there's, there's no way of knowing which one of the 25 items you've passed you will need at the end of, of this little run. And yeah, it's just each one you pick up, you deliberate over, you try and sort of think about logically what you might come across next. But there is there's no way that you will know. And I hate it and I don't want to play it again. And uh, oh yeah, I hate it. You don't have to play it again, Chris. It's okay. It's okay. I think this is uh, this is laying it to rest. I'd be interested to know how many other egg-based games that are on the spectrum because it had about twenty thousand retail releases. I mean, not uh, being funny, looking at like graphically, it's obviously a lot easier to have a character as an egg than as a, a multi-limbed human, fully articulated human being. Yeah, there we are. Well, thank you for that excellent trip down memory lane. Uh, <laughs> That's awful. awful. So moving on to my game, I went through a a few different thought processes trying to think of games. I looked at games that were about eggs. Uh, I looked at games that were reflecting some of the the Christian notions of, of the Easter and Lent period. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to go down the Easter bunny route. So I was thinking, okay, let's let's think about games, games with rabbits. I was like, well, there's a whole there's a whole slew of them to choose from, from Jazz Jack Rabbit. Oh, that's a good one. To any of the Rabbids games, but I decided to go on a, on a, a whopping tangent, and I am going to talk about a game that features a series of characters called the Rub Rabbits. Oh wow! And this game is Feel the Magic X Y X X, which is a game made by Sega for the Nintendo DS. 
It's made by the Sonic team. Does not surprise me. I mean, <laughs> they were doing nothing but twiddling their thumbs, and they should have been twiddling their thumbs rather than churning out terrible Sonic sequels, yeah. but there we go. <laughs> so this game is essentially a collection of mini-games based around the central storyline of trying to woo a lady, aided by a suitably vague group of people, retrospectively problematically known as the rub rabbits it all does sound a bit of like uh, un- unwarranted frottage doesn't it? it it's it's not it's not the best <laughs> the game was basically a glorified tech demo for the ds like the very definition of a launch title showing off some of the mm. features of the system such as obviously the touchscreen and uh, microphone and, and things like that i saw one review describe it as a sexy warioware <laughs> which i think is a little unfair as you know that kind of denotes that wario isn't sexy and i don't think body shaming is something that is in keeping with nintendo's inclusive ethos we certainly do not endorse it here. It's certainly not our ethos here at our three cents where we accept and value all shapes of people although according to our early episodes we do give preferential treatment to those shaped as specific pieces of fruit <laughs> The minigames were fairly varied and featured an eclectic range of activities. Activities that you would associate with romantic pursuits, such as running with the bulls, coughing up fish, going down a hill in a shopping trolley, and escaping quicksand. I think it's probably a bit too much to expect that Sega meant these as romantic metaphors, but you probably could make the comparison if you wanted. Obviously, looking back at the game now, the storyline is pretty iffy. You basically get advice from a group of lads wearing bunny ears on how to steal a love interest away from her current boyfriend. (laughs) And that kind of smacks of the early noughties patriarchal entitlement that led to romantic comedies such as Hitch and books such as The Game, all of which are probably now consigned, quite thankfully, to the bin. (laughs) (laughs) apparently there was a prequel developed which i found out about simply called the rub rabbits which was built around a similar premise where you had to rescue your love interest from increasingly perilous situations then you were rewarded in an according amount of hearts signifying your bow's increased reciprocation of your love Uh, again a very unhealthy message on on actually how to uh how to form any sort of relationship to be honest uh certainly (laughs) not a romantic one built um i mean it's you know may as well be endorsing stockholm syndrome (laughs) it's it's not great i mean i never thought i'd say this but i'm i'm actually quite glad that sonic team went back to churning out appalling sonic games rather than continuing this franchise i own both games I own Feel the Magic from the DS launch. I've still got the same copy I got right at the beginning. I think I might still have my copy of it somewhere as well, actually. But Rub Rabbits, I think I picked up for about £2 one of the times when, when game went into liquidation and then was pulled out again. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, I've, I've not played it. Never played the sequel or prequel, whichever it falls as. Incredibly tenuous link to Easter. Feel the Magic XYXX featuring the Rub Rabbits. And I apologise profusely during this Lenten period for bringing it back to the fore of the public consciousness. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Finally, to round this episode off, I'd like to invite our very own Minty Booth to bring his Easter-themed game to the table. So the Easter story, well, the essence of the Easter story bleeds into many great works of fiction. I mean, take, for instance, the, uh, the story of the humble son who overcomes great adversity for the good of the world and then turns out to have an important dad, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Classic. The plucky underdog that tussles with great evil in the name of love and then comes back to life after they're killed. Mario. Always. An egg. Creatures too. <laughs> <laughs> 
but there's nothing, nothing that I've been able to find that really stays faithful to the Easter story as a narrative as we see it in the Gospels, as opposed to just taking the general story structure in the themes of the Passion and weaving a story around that until very recently. So this game, my Easter special, takes us behind the scenes of the turning point of the Easter story. You play as a prominent Roman official on his journey to the site where he lays judgment upon the Christ. Now, the Romans were famously pioneers of aviation. So you traverse through a number of stages from the upper atmosphere down to Herod's court, flying or falling through rings, which of course um, symbolize the bureaucracy of the Roman justice system. So interestingly, the, uh, the game, as it was a Nintendo game, expunges all mention of religious narrative. So you don't actually literally condemn the king of the Jews, but the subtext is there. It's pilot wings <laughs> have you played pilot wings no <laughs> I did watch um I did watch a playthrough at, at work today. The the first sort of flying coach was named Antony, which is obviously a reference to the uh to the, to the great Roman official Mark Antony. Mm, yeah. The second coach was a woman named Shirley who is a reference to that to that great passage of scripture that says uh, Shirley I say to you if you <laughs> tear down this temple in 3 days I will rebuild it. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, of course, I know that uh, your rival, Thomas, says, you definitely can't do this. And you say, stick your finger in my wound. Exactly. These are my hands. These are my feet. These are my wings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much for joining us for our Easter special. I'm sure you've found it as uh, reflective, jubilant and celebratory as we have. Please do join us next week where we'll be resuming our countdown and uh, stay tuned for further uh, specials coming uh, later in the year. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do like it, share it, subscribe, leave us a review. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, Our Three Cents. Join the conversation. If you want to reach out to us individually, you can find me on Twitter, at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. You can find me at Minty Booth. And please do join us next time. Happy Easter. Shabbat Shalom. Bye-bye.